0: Last week, I spoke a message, or sorry, three weeks ago, I spoke four weeks, a message about um, being as one, the unity and the importance, and I felt like this kind of ties along with it, but I can almost call it part two of kind of getting to know God, and there's some practical steps I want to go through, almost foundational, since it is a new season, we're, we're hopping on fall, and fall is my favorite season, I love it, me and my wife, kind of we do the fire in the back and just kind of chill, we don't even have to talk, it's like that. You know, and there's some fun times we things we do during the winter. I always pick on her sometimes. I like to go to Target with her and just follow around and say, whenever she picks something up, just say, we don't need that. Oh, I'm, I'm so annoying. I get that from my dad. I just love to, no, we don't need that, honey. We have this routine. We go in there. The Starbucks is on the left. We hit it up, and then we just kind of take the shopping cart with no plans. <laughs> I'm like, such a good husband. <laughs> Did I share last time? I was sunk her in a boat. And now I'm just, annoyed. you know, you <laughs> don't need that, honey. <laughs> But it's fun. Married life is good. Yeah. <laughs> that was weak. Throw some bows to your spouses right about now. It's good. And I I spoke on John chapter seven. It was basically God's prayer, Jesus's prayer to the church, and how how important one of his first prayers. Uh, was to get to know God and the importance of it. So I want to kind of piggyback on there, but we're going we're to go through a prayer by Apostle Paul. So if you got your Bibles, we can kind of navigate to Ephesians, and we're going to go ahead into the first chapter of Ephesians. Ephesians, Ephesians, Ephesians. Chapter 1. You guys good? Yeah. <clears throat> there was this phenomenon in 2004. Did you ever hear of Death Valley? Yeah. I think, it's, is it California or Southern California? Well, anyway, Death Valley, it just... For some weird reason, it just, like, never rains there. No rain. Years and years and years. And something happened in 2004 where Death Valley got <clears throat> seven inches of rain. And it was after the rain stopped and people didn't see anything. It was, they thought maybe weeds would grow. Weeds can grow in anything, right? We've, we've heard that from Pastor James last week. And it was in spring when it started to rain... But it didn't take till fall, and actually vegetation started to grow. Flowers, plants, tulips, daffodils, I mean all this stuff, vegetation started to grow in this fall season. And everybody was more confused. The scientist was like, how can this for possibly hundreds of years, this place not have any rain, but then still be seeds on the inside or in the dirt? That was just waiting, oh y'all about to hear me, that was just waiting for the provision and the environment for it to be able to blossom or to bloom. And they still to this day have never figured out. So some of y'all again, we already know there's something on the inside of us that has possibly been laid dormant for years and the Lord says, there's going to be an abundance of rain. And it's going to be like a suddenly where things are going to stop popping up in the spirit realm. That God, oh, these seeds can grow even though it's been dry. Even though I have been walking away from God. So, But if we take that just simple step and turn back to the Lord. Those things that have been lying dormant are now going to produce and a lot of end time prophecies are related to um, the Dead Sea where there's no life in the Dead Sea. And Ezekiel has this prophecy when the Lord returns, the Dead Sea ain't going to be dead no more. Those dead things in the Dead Sea will come to life again. And if you, and if you Google it or YouTube it right now, actually some of the salt water have become fresh water. People can't even figure out how, there's actually fish swimming now, just within the past few years, in the Dead Sea. Because beforehand, there was only things coming into the Dead Sea. Nothing was ever going out of the Dead Sea. So there was no flow. Doesn't it happen sometimes in the church? We, we feed, and on this pastor, on that passage, we have so much information. We have so many options that all we do is feed. And we get so spiritually stuffed, but there's no exit. I'm telling you, in these last days, when like Joel prophesied, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit And it's going to be not all about me. What can God do for me? How can I get filled on this topic or this situation? There's going to be an outflow. So a lot of times when things happen in the scriptures, prophetically speaking to his church. So when the dead sea now is coming to life, the dead children of God are now coming to life. But I want to talk this morning about some practical steps what Apostle Paul lays in order to get to this end result you guys with me okay <clears throat> ezekiel chapter one let me start sorry ephesians chapter one verse 17 if you're there say i'm there okay I keep asking, this is a prayer Apostle Paul to us, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge, so that you may know him. Some translations say know him better. Know him, we're talking about knowing him. I pray, verse 18, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which you are called. Also known as purpose. Watch this. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Verse 19. And his incomparable great power that belongs to believers. I like 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 that last result. The great power. About five to six years ago, I was 100% going after the great power. Lord, use me to open up a blind eye. Use me to make a, cause a dead person to raise. And that was totally, probably two years straight. I'm, I'm not lying to you. I was so uber-focused on the great power that I'd neglected what Apostle Paul was talking about, verse 17, verse 18, and verse... Nine. Anybody else kind of been in that same situation where we, we were like the out, outward, hey, everybody see me, look what I can do, but Apostle Paul wants us to, to learn something here in Ephesians chapter 1. Amen. Amen. So I don't like to necessarily go like four keys or steps to your break. That, that's usually not me how I necessarily preach, but but I have these four four areas that I just want to touch this morning. We'll get you out because I know the chili is waiting for us. But it'll be good, okay? Step one is to get to know him, Ephesians says. You know him. The word know it's kind of funny. It's the the, the Hebrew word is ginosko. Try to say that five times, but. Ginosko, to know God, is the same word where is used to know your spouse. Now, I'm not talking about sexually know your spouse, though that's the context for your marriage portion, but this is to know him so intimately as your best friend, being on the same page with God in every circumstance, every decision, knowing his character on the inside and the outside. I can be blindfolded in this room, every woman and say, hey, Travis, but when it comes to my wife, I promise you I'll know her voice. It's not even a question. Why? Because I know her. I spent the last five, six years of my life hanging out with her, right? So that we know him. So, so too often we want to do this thing. Like I said earlier, we want to escape the situations, but he wants to be in the situations so that we know him. We want him to, like I said earlier, uh, you know, Don't throw me into the lion's den. Just just rescue me before me. He wants to be in the lion's den. In other words, he wants us to have those limited options. Too often we do that sometimes, you know, when the issue comes, or that's when we turn to God. Say, God, would you bail me out of this situation? And he wants to be right there in the situation. There's a pretty buff dude by the name of Samson. We all know Samson. Very interesting. Uh, We know many uh, things about Samson with Delilah and his long hair and you know that but there's very interesting passage of scripture I think it's in Judges chapter 14 I should have wrote that down but but we don't have to turn there Samson has this encounter with this lion you know the lion is maybe 50 yards from him roaring like you know I'm going after you kind of thing Samson's prayer what could be like Lord, please, let's get rid of this lion, distracted, shut the mouths, let, it, let a gazelle pass by so the lion gets distracted. But no, it actually charged Samson, and Samson had to deal with the lion himself. But in those circumstances, when that lion was chasing him, God did something supernatural, and then inside of him was able to withstand and to defeat the lion in that circumstance. God didn't take the lion away. Now, a few chapters later, Samson is taking a stroll. He's kind of having a a conversation with God, and he he stops. And he remembers, he says, there's that lion that I killed with my bare hands. And here's what's, what's interesting. He walks over to the lion, looks at it, and it was full of honey on the inside. Now, if God ever stopped that situation from happening, his provision... His provision would have not been here months later when he needed it. He was shunned. He was out. He was looking for food. Things weren't going his way. He he sinned. And the moment he saw what God allowed him to kill in the past was actually the provision for exactly what he needed in that moment. Come on, we sing honey in the rock, don't we? It was there. Don't despise the trials that God puts in our way. I love that story. So step one, of course, is to, to know him. One of the reasons I write this down, <clears throat> many Christians do not know God is we have, have too many options. <clears throat> so in this next season, if we're in the valley, invite him in. If we're on the mountain, praise him. If we've got a trial, be it of good tree or, He won't leave us, he won't abandon us. Most likely down the road, there's some type of provision for us. Amen. A lot of people um, in their Christian walk believe they hit this barrier in life, this moving forward barrier. What's next, God? What's next on the agenda? But the real barrier is this thing called wisdom and revelation. And I spoke about that a little bit. It's it's getting past your head knowledge of who you think God is. What you think about his character, um, what, what you think what, what, sometimes you think like we're, we're God, and if we were God, we would handle this situation different. But I found out a little while back that he's a whole lot smarter than me. I found out a little bit a while back that I have just a little three-pound brain. I found out a little while that if I try to figure out God, I'm trying to actually make myself like God and play God. He's been on the scene so much longer than us. So this, uh, Solomon has this prayer in 2 Chronicles 1 verse 10, it's a powerful prayer, it's right before he takes leadership of like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, and I don't know if we have that back here, but he said, before I take the throne, Lord, grant me wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge is a prayer we can pray all day, every day. Now my dad was a pastor for, for most all of his life, and his spiritual father was a man by the name of ken Hagen. i still have this picture back at my house where he, my dad had a big smile on his face in one of his crusades he was like waiting in line for hours and he was like front row of this crusade with a big smile just kind of drawing off ken Hagen. and my dad used to uh, speak about how ken Hagen used to say i always commissioned my congregation to read ephesians 1 for six months straight sometimes one or two days and he said he b- was blown away by the testimony of how people are going from, I can't hear God's voice to, wow, this is, this is easier than I thought. Going from, I know God. Now my eyes of my heart are open. Now I'm discovering purpose. And now I'm walking in great power. If you don't get anything else this morning, Pastor, saying, go home. Write down Ephesians chapter 1, put it on your steering wheel, put it in your office, put it everywhere, and read it for six months straight and watch what it will do to your life. The end goal is, is great power, and that's great. But Apostle Paul says know him first, and wisdom and revelation, knowledge first. And so when, when we get this thing going in our, away from our head and down to our spirit, this Bible thing will no longer look like just a book of information. It will no longer look just like a pages of good morals. The difference is it gives you... The, the information will change the eyes of your heart. And that's the second one, as far as Ephesians 1, is the eyes of your heart. Now, that's weird. I never thought I had eyes in my heart. Watch what Jesus says about eyes. If Matthew 6, If your eyes... So we thought thought physical eyes. The eyes, talking about the eyes of your heart, are bad. Your entire body is full of darkness. You can't have the second, the heart transplant, the new heart, without the first. You can work on your heart all day long, but you'll still go down the street and someone pulls out in front of you. You'll still be wondering, why am I still screaming at them? Someone said something about me. Why did I get offended on that, about that? We don't have, I said this a while ago. We don't have a new believer. We don't have the right to be offended by people. So God wants us to know him first. And what that happens is our heart becomes soft. And we know the story of Moses and Pharaoh. He says multiple times, five times, you know, let my people go from slavery. And many people think <clears throat> it was only God that hardened Pharaoh's heart. But if you look at Exodus, we don't have to turn there. It's like Exodus, I think, chapter 8, it says, it says about how he gave Pharaoh five times to soften his heart. There is a point with the righteousness and justice of God, if we're going to keep pushing away. I, 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 don't want, I, I don't want these things of God. I don't want to know God. I just want to go through the motions. I just want to squeeze myself in heaven. I just want to kind of be a barely get there Christian. And there's, there's a point where God has to release And then you fail to get to know him, and then your heart starts to get hardened. And you get hardened to hearing God's voice. You get hardened to see what your purpose or your next steps in your life are. So when this heart thing, we start seeing people different. We start, you know, looking at our life different. We look at our past different. We start looking at uh, our bosses different. We start looking at our pastors different. We start looking at the house of God different. We start looking at, I wrote this down, the lens of your past different. What people said about you. Exodus chapter 8, 32 was that, was that um, specific verse where, where God allowed a time and a season for, for Pharaoh to soften his heart. And I was at prayer, um, just so we know, we have prayer here Thursday, uh, every night from 7 to 8. And I believe it was Tracy, I don't think she's here this morning, but uh, said, I need you to watch this Netflix documentary, and it's called Living to 100 or above, and it's like the secret of the blue zones. In other words, this was a documentary about this one man. He went all throughout the nation and was questioning people um, how this particular people group lived to be over 100. It was very fascinating. And um, there was this lady, I think she was like 101 or 111. I mean, she was like playing cornhole. She was telling jokes. She was vibrant. And it was just below Japan and this kind of small people group island. And, And this man went up and asked and said, what's the secret to your long life? She simply said, I just never get angry. Anger can be a poison to your growth. God desires for long life to satisfy us, but all throughout Scripture, he says, guard your heart. Guard the eyes of your heart, and that's just one thing. Another one um, was probably 105. She says, I wake up every day with purpose. Without vision, without purpose, the people perish. The Bible says. I believe if you get these steps—know God, get your heart transformed—it's going to be number three: the hope that God has called you. When we get this purpose thing down, like every day we go to work is going to be like a Friday, like for real. We were just with our friend, who's a realtor, really close friend of ours, and. He's, he, we know that he's in his purpose because he always has the biggest smile on his face. Regardless, if he gets clients, he doesn't get clients. He knows exactly where he'd be because he's a people person. He's around people all the time. And I just love kind of following him. Um, we were with him the other day as my, by the way, sorry, my mom, aka also known as my spiritual mom. Um, I'm announcing it. You're moving back up from Florida. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exciting, but... She has been my spiritual mother, probably the one that kept me behind. Paul kept me in the church for who knows how many years. Who knows how many devils she pushed back? But, <laughs> but anyway, I don't know how I got off on that. I love her. She means more to me than she probably can imagine. Amen. Thank. Number three, you know the hope to which he has called you. <clears throat> uh, I think it's 15 years ago. There was this author that came out this book, um, "The Purpose-Driven Life." I think it sold about 60 million copies today. It's like just under, I think, like Harry Potter um, and a couple more, I think, passed it up since. But wow, isn't isn't it interesting that the secular world and the body of Christ are searching for purpose like never tomorrow? Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, without vision, the people perish. I'd like to suggest to you, without steps one and two, that purpose, like the story I said earlier, said earlier, will always kind of lie dormant. You'll have a job. God will provide income. But you'll be lacking the joy that God really wanted for your life. See, if you don't have purpose, sometimes we will start forcing purpose. Start forcing things to happen. We'll start getting out of alignment. Um, Twenty seventeen, um, they have this national every year. This national dog racing competition, like those greyhounds. My goodness, they're like fast as lightning. And they have this national competition where it brings people from all throughout the world to see these guys. And um, unlike horses, you know, we have they have people that ride horses and tell them when to go. You know, whip them or do it however they do to get the horses. But to get the dogs run, there's this kind of little fluffy rabbit, squirrel thingy. Cause that, you know, that's what I'm talking about. And they tie this onto this mechanical type of pulley thing that takes someone around the track. And as soon as the doors opens, the, these greyhounds like go after this thing. But in front of national television and 100,000 people in the audience, people were like betting over this stuff. It went about 100 yards, and the thing malfunctioned. And the rabbit like burst into like a hundred billion pieces and fur every here, wires, mechanical things, and pulleys went this way. And it was funny because all the dogs stopped racing, because they lost purpose. It says some of them just walked around and then laid there and took a nap. <laughs> it says some of them got frustrated because they didn't know what to do next, and so they started barking and yapping at all the audience. <laughs> Are you getting the picture? If we don't have purpose, sometimes we start biting the ankles of our fellow believers. And it says some of them were so hyped up that they actually continued to go straight into the guardrail, and a lot of them got injured. So my prayer, we got to have purpose. We got to be in the lane that God has for us. And that goes right into the last one the one we all shout about number four if you're writing anything down it's the great power let me read that end of ephesians really quick you guys gonna read ephesians in your own time (laughs) you're gonna pray it out the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his uncomparable great power for those that believe let's go (laughs) Do you see the order? Now I want us kind of, kind of navigate where we are in our spiritual work. Do we have our purpose down packed? Um, how's our heart right now towards others? Do, do we get offended easy? Do we get bitter, bitter easy? Do we get discouraged easy? Do we get frustrated with life easy? Maybe we got to go right back to step one. And I'm not saying it's a one and done. Oh, we're at the great power part, signs and wonders. We got to neglect one. Oh, it's an ongoing process. Continue a cycle like the dogs running around the track over and over, back to knowing God like never before, back to going, checking our heart to make sure we're good, purpose, we're walking in a divine purpose, and here's the end result, great power. Scientists will tell you that past purpose, the greatest thing that people want is to actually make a difference. Step four, the power it's finally the making difference. It's not about us. Yeah, this whole stuff was developing us so that we can go into a world and make difference and actually move in the supernatural. And now we can start speaking things to an existence and watch great power because we got one, two, and three in perfect alignment. I believe it's like Mark chapter 11, 23. What does the Bible say? We can now speak to a mountain and cause it to move. I don't know if anybody's going through um, like a terminal cancer or, or a tumor or something. Now we can say, we can say, Mark chapter 11, 23, devil says, I can talk to that cancer and speak to it and say, now you, you got to get up and move. It's my job to walk in the faith and the believing, but it's also my, God, my job to step back and say, hey, I'm going to introduce you to like my God, the almighty God, who is the author and the perfecter of the work. And I get to cheer on God. So meanwhile, as I step back and let the performer do his job, I can lift up my hands and praise and worship a God that is already performing the work. Because I prayed and I believed and I'm now walking in the power commissioned by God. Amen? Yes. Amen? Okay, I want to get us out. So can we stand for a moment? And worship team, if you want to come. So that is my commission. Print that out. Laminate it. Put it everywhere throughout your house until you get it. To your eyes, of your heart changed. Till we have wisdom revelation of what it actually means for our life. Does this make sense? Watch what happens at the end. I want to give you an answer for why sometimes we're frustrated with God. Sometimes we get disappointed with our walk, discouraged about this whole Christian life. How can we walk into witnessing like never did before? Watch Mark chapter eleven. Watch um. Uh, let me get to scripture. This is one you can write down. John chapter 15, 11, Also, Apostle Paul. The things that I talked about, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy might be full. My gosh, that's a good God who says if you do these things, joy, happiness, love, in life is a byproduct of it. Amen? Amen. Glory to God.